Out of the corner of Liz's eye, she saw something in the distance. Two large horses running in their direction, their hooves kicking up the dust, running at breakneck speed right toward Kate. Kate! Kate! Welcome to the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, with your hosts, Max and Liz. This podcast is brought to you by Playful World Ministries. Max, Liz, and all the characters and adventures of the Epic Order of the Seven were created by and written by Jenny L. Cody. Oh, and by the way, as you listen to this episode from the audiobook The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud, keep in mind you can download your very own copy of it by visiting www.audible.com. And you can find the entire collection of the Epic Order of the Seven on Jenny's website, www.epicorderofthe7.com. That's epicorderofthe7.com. On today's episode, we'll hear Chapter 30 of The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud. Oh, and speaking of The Fire Cloud, today we'll find out from author Jenny Cody herself how she came up with The Fire Cloud. Did she have any help? Was it divinely inspired? It's a neat story you'll want to hear as we visit Jenny's Corner just a little later in the podcast. Now let's turn things over to the hosts of our program. Here's Max and Liz. Thank you, Monsieur Announcer. Uh, okay, Max, ready? I. And one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. Ouch! Oh. Uh, sorry, lass. Why don't you stay in the middle of the floor? The floor? I thought you wanted me to dance on the walls. No, Max, dance the walls. That's what I said. No, 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 Max. Uh, remember the dance called the waltz? Oh, I. So we must be up to the Waltzen chapter of the story then. We, oui, Max. So I thought we might try to brush up on our waltzing. Uh, okay, um, let's uh, try that again, okay? And. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, oops! Ow! Ah, that were me bad, Kitty. Oh, well, let's face it, Max. Waltzing may not be for you. Uh, you seem to have uh, two left paws. Well, of course I got two left paws. I got two right ones, too, just like you. <laughs> After all, the maker surely knew how to put two and two together. <laughs> oh, Max, that was a bad pun. <laughs> Not as bad as me, Walson, huh? It's hard for me to be stepping to one, two, three when I'm working with four legs. Oui, but uh, strangely enough, it seems that we do have something else in common. I? Well, I'm a cat. And as a cat, I always land on my feet. Okay, uh, what about it? Well, Max, you always seem to land on my feet, too. <laughs> now who's telling a bad joke, then? Tis true, though. Chapter 30 When Cows Swim and Horses Dance Rudy and Rosie twirled in the air, hovering just above the cool water of the Danube. They observed deep churning currents, suggesting a formidable challenge for crossing. Up and down they flew along the river, popping into an occasional flower to sip the nectar. Soon they flew back to Liz to report their findings. Senora, this river will be a challenge for any creature to cross, as the currents are very strong. We did locate a narrow area to cross, but still it looks to be about 200 feet, reported Rudy. The animals looked at each other with concern. 200 feet was a long distance for any creature, much less all ten of them. 
Merci, Liz replied as she sat and stared across the Danube. No one bothered to ask her what they were going to do. They knew Liz was thinking and would provide a solution in due time. Liz walked over to Don Pedro and began studying his legs. Uh, Senora, what is it? Asked Don Pedro, watching the petite black cat curving around his legs, her tail grazing him. Just checking, mon ami, Liz replied. Uh, Don Pedro, pardon, but... Uh, would you swish your tail for me? An odd request, but Don Pedro obliged, swishing his tail back and forth, not understanding why Liz had asked him. Merci. Now please raise your left front hoof, Liz requested, studying Don Pedro's every move and taking mental notes. Now your back hoof, left first, s'il vous plaît. Then let me inspect your horns. Don Pedro silently did as Liz asked, even though he felt somewhat silly as he bowed his head to the ground. Très bien, Don Pedro, Liz finally said as she completed her inspection and walked away from the bull over to where Isabella and Al grazed. Ah, Liz, you should try some of these field onions, exclaimed Al, his oniony breath violating Liz's nose with its stench. She wrinkled her nose and turned her head to the side. Uh, no, merci, Abel. I am not hungry, but uh, you go ahead and enjoy. Never mind me. I'm just looking at uh, Isabella. Liz replied, slowly walking around the cow. Isabella casually chewed her cud, following the same directions Liz had given Don Pedro. Finally, Liz remarked, Très bien, I see now. Merci, Isabella. What do you see, me, me love? Al asked, burping at the same time he talked. <laughs> Good one, Al, exclaimed Isabella, admiring Al's belch as she let loose a... Uh, never mind, enjoy the onions. Liz said as she walked away from the funny pair of gassy cat and cow. She made her way over to Max, who was still sitting alone in the meadow. Am I interrupting you, Max? Liz asked softly as she approached, not wanting to disturb her good friend. No less, come have a seat with me, answered Max as he patted the ground next to him. Uh, what have you discovered? Has the maker given you a solution? asked Liz, sitting down, her tail curled up around her small feet. Not exactly. In fact, he's given me a strange revelation. He said, I have to waltz to cross. But I have no idea what a waltz is, said Max, looking at Liz. Liz smiled but gave Max a curious look. But a waltz is another word for dance, no? Why would they make her tell you? To waltz. How is this supposed to help us cross the river? It is not logical, mon ami. Things sometimes don't make sense at first when he tells me, but they get clearer with time, replied Max, wanting to convince Liz that the maker knew what he was doing, even when it appeared illogical. Liz sat a moment, struggling to understand how dancing could help them cross the river. She was stumped. It made no sense. Well, while we try to figure it out, 
Did you come up with anything then, lass? asked Max. Ah, we oui, uh, partially. Rudy and Rosie have reported that strong currents run in the Danube, and it will require great strength to cross. The narrowest part they located is two hundred feet across, which is still a considerable distance. I have thoroughly examined Don Pedro and Isabella, and am convinced that they are capable of swimming across the Danube, Liz explained. Aye, they can swim, but what about the rest of us then? asked Max, not seeing how this could work. This is why I said I have partially figured out the way across. While Don Pedro and Isabella swim, their backs will be submerged underwater, but their heads will not. This, of course, provides limited carrying space. I have calculated that Jacques can ride on Isabella's head, and Henriette can ride on Don Pedro's. Since Elbel and I are small creatures, we can fit onto Don Pedro's horns and hang on while he swims. Liz explained, suddenly turning her gaze to the ground. But what about me and Kate? Max asked with a frown. There's not enough room for us then. Liz didn't reply immediately, but put her gaze into Max's concerned eyes. It was true. There was no room for Max and Kate to ride, and this frustrated her. They could not leave the two dogs behind. I do not know. I have not figured this out completely, but we will not cross without you and Kate, mon ami, Liz said, putting her paw under Max's chin, a determined look in her eyes. Thanks, lass. You've done a grand job at figuring things out. Now, all we have to do is see where the maker's directions of Walton fit this mystery, said Max, and the maker hasn't let me down yet. Liz smiled. I'm glad you're here, Max, and I'm grateful for your faith, mon ami. Perhaps you will teach me something, no? The two friends shared a moment of strength, thankful that they weren't alone in this process. They had each other, and they had the maker. Out of the corner of Liz's eye, she saw something in the distance. A cloud of dust swirled on the horizon. She turned her gaze and then saw two large horses running in their direction, their hooves kicking up the dust. They were running at breakneck speed right toward Kate. Kate! 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 Kate was napping in the grass, unaware of the trampling danger headed her way. Max ran as fast as his short legs would carry him. The horses were closing in, and Max didn't know if he could intercept them before they reached Kate. She was so small and low in the grass that he doubted the horses would even see her lying there. Max continued shouting to her, Kate! Kate! Wake up! Wake up! Kate's ears twitched, as if trying to hear Max, but she was in such a deep sleep from exhaustion that her body didn't want to listen. The other animals were on the other side of the meadow, and looked up to see what was happening. Oh no! Little Kate is in harm's way! shouted Al. Better let Max reach her, amigo, said Isabella, also with grave concern. 
Henriette needed to control Don Pedro in this crisis. She had to keep him from seeing the movement of the horses so he wouldn't take off running after them. She got right in his face while standing on the ground below. Look at me, Buff! Keep your eyes right here, she said, pointing to her eyes with the tip of her wing. Jacques stood next to Henriette, spreading his wings in an attempt to block Don Pedro's view. <laughs> Almost there, Max said to himself as he closed the gap between Kate and the horses. He ran by Kate, quickly nudging her with his paws, shouting, Kate, get up and move! With that, Kate snapped awake, but was confused as to where she was and what was happening. Then she saw Max running toward two charging horses headed straight for her. Kate jumped up and ran to the side of the field where Liz sat, her mind and body trying to wake up to comprehend the scene taking place. Liz! Max will be trampled! Kate screamed, watching Max run directly in the path of the powerful horses. Max doesn't need size to control these beasts. He needs mind power, she replied. Liz had judged the distance and placed herself close enough to where the horses would intercept Max, but she remained out of harm's way. Max started shouting at the horses as he ran closer to them. Stop! Stop, you beasties! Right now! The horses were bearing down on top of Max, their eyes catching a glimpse of the small black dog barking at them. They were startled to see a creature right under them. The lead horse was an enormous jet-black stallion, with a long black mane and tail blowing behind him in the wind, his nostrils flaring as he snorted with every breath. The other horse was a beautiful brown mare, with black mane and tail running close behind him. As the stallion reached Max, he reared up on his hind legs and neighed loudly, startling his brown companion and pawing his hoofs at the air. Max stood his ground, growling and ordering the horse to settle down. Liz was nearby and began yelling instructions. Max, you must mentally dominate this beast. Your size does not matter. It is a mental game. Make him heed your direction. Max held his ground in front of this upset horse that continued to rear up on his powerful hindquarters. The horse was poised to stomp the small dog. Max stood up on his back legs to get a better position and locked eyes with the horse, commanding his attention and ordering him to stop. Whoa, horsey! Steady now, steady. Calm down, lad. Just look at me and calm down, Max said with a firmness that let the horse know who was in control. Just then, the mare slowly walked up to Max and said, Signor Spigliati, hurry! Now that you have his attention, you must sing it to him. Max didn't take his eyes off the stallion for an instant, but replied back to the mare, What are you saying, lass? Sing to the beastie. See, he is asleep, and singing is the only thing that wakes him. Because his attention is on you, you are the only one he hears, the mare replied. This beastie is asleep? What in the name of Pete am I supposed to sing, then? hoarsely whispered Max not taking his eyes off the still upset stallion. 
None importa. Anything, even a lullaby will do. Just to make some sort of a music, the mayor instructed, urging Max on. All Max could think of was a Scottish lullaby his mum had sung to him as a puppy. He cleared his throat and started to sing. Hush a bye, don't you cry. Go to sleep, little baby. When you wake, ye shall have all the pretty little horses. The horse began to settle, slowing his anxious rearing as he kept his eyes on Max. Soon the stallion stopped rising up and stomping his front hoofs. He stood still, his tail swatting back and forth as he kept his gaze on Max. The stallion's eyes blinked, and he shook his head as he looked at the unknown landscape around him. He then saw the brown mare smiling at him. He looked down to see Max at his feet, and then back to his mate, with a look of question on his face. Pauline, tell me I didn't do it again, eh? said the black stallion in a deep, accentuated voice. See, Giorgio, you will sleep running again. This little dog stopped you from trampling his mate, and then sang to you, the mare replied. Buongiorno, signor. Grazie for stopping me and waking me up. I'm sorry for almost hurting your mate and causing trouble. I have a sleep-running problem, so scusate, explained Giorgio as he bowed in apology to Max. I never heard of such a daft thing. A horse that sleep-runs, said Max, not believing what he was hearing. Ah, we, oui. you run in your sleep too, Max, but you do not actually go anywhere, said Liz as she walked over to join Max and the horses. Kate followed close behind Liz, Rudy and Rosie were perched on top of Don Pedro's horns, and Henriette and Jacques sat on his back as he walked from the field to join them, along with Al and Isabella. It's true, me love. I watch you run in your sleep most every night when you dream, said Kate to Max, drawing a wrinkled brow from her mate. But I don't get up and run across the meadow like a daft beastie, said Max in his defense. Horses sleep while standing, mon ami, so it is only logical to see how a horse, who is dreaming of running, could then take off actually running. Liz explained. She turned then to the stallion. What I do not understand is why you wake up with music and with a lullaby at that. Lullabies usually put creatures to sleep, no? The big black stallion looked at Liz with embarrassment. See, si, senora, I am backwards. I fall asleep so quickly that I never needed a lullaby to put me to sleep when I was young. Now it is the music that wakes me. It is my weakness, capisci? Well, I cannot say that I totally understand, no. But I think it is a fascinating condition you have, mon ami. Liz replied, looking at the situation from a purely scientific standpoint. 
I'd say it's a dangerous condition you have there, laddie. You almost ran over me wife, Kate, said Max with a frown and a growl in his throat. Me dispiace, signor e signora. Please forgive me and allow me to make it up to you somehow. The stallion replied, again bowing low to Max and now Kate at his side. I forgive you, uh, Giorgio, is it? replied Kate with a warm smile. You couldn't help it, I know. I was amazed at how active you were while asleep. When Max stopped and raised up on his hind legs to get your attention, and you were up on your hindquarters, it almost looked like you two were dancing. Max and Liz looked at each other, both realizing that this was the dance the maker meant. They smiled as they realized they had their way across the Danube. Well, it just so happens that Kate and me need transport across the river here, along with our other friends who can ride the cow and the bull. Uh, can you swim then, laddie? Or do you need to be asleep to do that too? Max said with a bit of sarcasm. Pray go. Of course we will help, and no, I can swim when I am awake, as can my wife, Pauline. The stallion replied, not catching Max's jab. Uh, tell me, mes amis, which part of Italy are you from? Liz asked, already knowing their country of origin. We're from the southern tip of Italy, and have traveled a long way. You see, we are following... Pauline began, before she was interrupted. The fire cloud! The entire group of animals exclaimed. Si, signora, but uh, how did you know? Pauline asked with amazement. We are all following the fire cloud, and they have come from many countries. Since you agreed to help us cross the Danube, and I hope stay with us as we travel, we will be able to make much better time on our journey, said Liz, realizing that the smaller animals now all had faster transport. Mes amis, it is time to cross the Danube, no? I have determined that Don Pedro and Isabella will be able to swim the distance, and they will carry Henriette and Jacques. Albert and I will hold on to Don Pedro's horns as he swims. Kate... You will ride on Pauline and Max on Giorgio. Rudy and Rosie, of course, will fly. Are there any questions? Liz asked as she explained the river crossing. All the animals got into position as they reached the water's edge, waiting for the signal from Liz. Bon chance, everyone! Here we go! said Liz as Don Pedro slid into the Danube with his load of passengers. Max had to laugh at the sight of Al being completely wet and hanging on to the bull's horns. Al's lower lip was trembling, and he was scared to death, but Max admired how he kept up a brave front as best he could. Liz and Al kept their heads close as they clung to Don Pedro's horns. Henriette was clucking, not used to being wet, instructing Don Pedro to keep his head up as high as possible. Jacques sat on Isabella's head, exhilarated with the river crossing and chuckling as he saw Henriette out of her comfort zone. Kate was excited about riding Pauline, the beautiful brown horse, as she always loved splashing in the water. 
Rudy and Rosie flew above the animals, amused and amazed by what they saw. Max felt sick to his stomach as he eased into the river on this Italian stallion. He just prayed the horse would not let him drown. He held tight to Giorgio's mane with his teeth while keeping his eyes firmly shut. The maker had helped him cross other bodies of water, and he knew he would get across the Danube as well. So even though he was afraid, he trusted the maker anyway. The strong swimming animals gradually made their way across the broad river. It was strenuous, but they soon climbed onto the shore. Everyone cheered as they reached the other side, grateful that they were on solid ground again. As the sun began to set, the fire cloud stopped. At this point, Liz began experiencing a sense of wonder that completely overwhelmed her. The maker had told Max that he would need to dance in order to cross the river. While it didn't make sense at the time, Liz now understood what the maker meant. He was faithful to provide a way for them in an unexpected way. And not only did he provide a way across the river, he provided a new, fast way to travel until they reached their final destination. Liz looked up at the fire cloud and smiled. You have given Max the answers he needed, and you have provided for all of us when I did not see any logical way. Merci. I never would have thought that dancing could be an answer to prayer. Liz paused and then continued her solitary conversation with the fire cloud. I do not dance very well, monsieur, nor do I play very well. Uh, perhaps I am now willing to learn, no? Uh, please, teach me how. The fire cloud burned warmly, and Liz felt a stirring in her heart. Maybe this was a new beginning of her journey in faith as well. Alas, that were a special day indeed. Oh, to say the least, the maker made himself so real to me that day, and suddenly it became clear that the fire cloud had to be filled with his very presence. And who else could make a way to cross the beautiful Danube when there seemed to be no way? Aye, and with me dancing no less. <laughs> In me mind, I were thinking no way, but the maker knew better. And you became a new kitty that day, lass. We, oui, I surely did. And what about you, Max? I didn't know you could sing. Your singing was a toy bien. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I reckon it were good enough to settle a crazy horsey. Huh, a crazy horse who wakes up when you sing him a lullaby? And dances with a Scottish terrier? <laughs> the maker really does work in mysterious ways. And what about the fire cloud itself? And how we all knew we were just supposed to follow it. Mysterious, right? And it's a mystery of how Miss Jenny came up with such a fascinating way to bring us all together, eh? Well, so then let's head to Jenny's corner and find out. Uh, Miss Jenny, how did you think of the fire cloud? Well, Liz, I was actually in Mexico when I came up with the fire cloud. It was the middle of the day, it was about three o'clock in the afternoon, and I was wading in this crystal clear water off the sugary sandy beach, and I was like, how are the animals gonna reach the ark? How are they gonna get to the ark? What did that look like? 
you know, did God send them a map? Did they have GPS? <laughs> how are they going to know where to go and how to get there? And so I was waiting in, you know, waste high water, and I looked up to the sky, and no lie, up there in the sky was a fire cloud, and this was not a sunset cloud. There was this fiery ball of cloud, and it had orange and red, and it looked like a fire cloud. And I'm like, oh, a fire cloud, that'll work. And I remember running out of the water to go jot this down in a notebook that I had in my beach bag. And when I turned back to look at the sky, it was gone. And it, a funny thing about this, sometimes Jenny's a little slow to pick up on things. Yeah, it didn't dawn on me that, oh, this has happened before. Guess what? God sent a fire cloud, right? When the Israelites were escaping Egypt. <laughs> so there's nothing new under God's sun, is there? <laughs> nope, there surely isn't. Well, thank you, Miss Jenny. But we do have something new to share in our next episode, for it turns out we weren't the only ones following the fire cloud. Right, Monsieur Alonsar? Uh, right, Mademoiselle Kitty. Our next episode begins a brand new section of the Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud, because as you may know, Noah's Ark attracted every kind of animal, and, well, not all animals come from Europe. I mean, not by a long shot. So, be thinking about that. Where might some of the other animals have traveled from? And then we'll begin to unlock that secret and the reason God called all the animals together in the first place. You won't want to miss our next episode. Once again, the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, is produced by Playful World Ministries, and The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud was written by Jenny L. Cody. To purchase your copy of The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud on audiobook, log on to audible.com. And for all the amazing books by Jenny L. Cody, the entire collection of The Epic Order of the Seven, log on to Jenny's website, www.epicorderofthe7.com. That's epicorderofthe7.com. See you next time on the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast. And I'm Denny Brownlee. Thanks for joining us. Hush bye, don't you cry. Go to sleep, little baby. When you wake, you shall have all the pretty little horses. <laughs>